Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning to each of you. Welcome to Morning Devotion. Good Tuesday morning to everyone, one and all, Scott and Mom and Cesar and Alice and Kirk and Eva and Winnie. Thank you for making this special. You're valued here. And you add value here with your comments, with your prayers, with your presence. So to those of you who join us each morning with a devotion, a devotion to devotion, with a desire to pray, with a desire to touch the face of God, to gather in a community of faith-filled people, of the faithful, we honor each and every one of you this morning, your desire, and whatever time you watch this, You make this a special place, an oasis in the middle of a desert, uh, Elam, the place of 70 palm trees. You make this special. So thank you, Tracy and Susan and Joyce and Wellis and Keith. Thank you for being a part of this. Today, the call from a lonely landmark. Take a moment to breathe a prayer over this time together and those who will join us here today and express a need express a victory report. Take a time, take a moment to pray that this will impact our lives. Follow the page, like the page, share the page, you know the drill. As soon as I'm finished here today, I'll be leaving for the church in Pearland to finalize the preparations for the homegoing service of missionary Robert Frizzell. I was in discussion yesterday with his wife, Gail, and his son, Nick, Something just struck me, and I couldn't get away from it all night last night, and I want to share it with you today. But first, remember with me that verse where Solomon said, Remove not the ancient landmark, Proverbs twenty-two twenty-eight. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Landmarks in Bible days were set by God for the children of Israel and the next generations after they had entered into the promised land. Landmarks were usually large boulders, large stones. They spoke of the promises of God, that God would give each tribe this portion of land flowing with milk and honey. Those landmarks became associated with spiritual boundaries over time that God gave to his people. Great wisdom had found in those old landmarks. Our nation, our world needs such wisdom. In an era where statues are being toppled and institutions are at war with themselves and families are crumbling, injustices abounding, what will it take for America, for our world, to awaken to the landmarks of moral values, spiritual truth, biblical basics? Regardless of what the revisionists say, America was built by people who believed in such things. And until she returns to those landmarks, America will never find greatness again because righteousness exalts nations. It was Henry Wilson who was vice president under President Grant, the former Union general that brought victory in the Civil War. He wrote, remember ever and always that your country was founded not by the best of all European races, but by those stern old Puritans who made the deck of the Mayflower an altar to the living God, and whose first act on touching the soil of the new world was to offer on bended knees thanksgiving to the almighty God. 
It was John Adams, the second president of the United States, that said of the founding fathers that the general principles on which independence was achieved were the principles of Christianity. Don't you ever forget, don't you ever forget that this nation was built on by people who had moral and religious landmarks. That's what it takes to make America great, for America to get back to God. But what about the church? What about the church of America and of the world? What about those whose citizenship are in heaven? What about the kingdom that is not of this world? How can the church be returned to her pristine book of Acts glory by being the first to return to God? Judgment begins at the house of God. It begins with me and you returning to God on bended knee. We need to live close to those old apostolic landmarks that reveal the promises and boundaries of previous generations. Those are the goodly lines. Those are our heritage. That's our heritage, those landmarks. I, I, I could walk through many landmarks that we have, but let me just first of all say Jesus is the chief landmark. He's the chief cornerstone, the stone that the builders rejected. Jesus said, if we fall on the rock and we'll be broken, Oh, we'll be broken, but something good will arise. But if the stone falls on us, we'll be ground to powder. This church is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood, Acts 20, 28, purchased the church of the living God. No other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not built on gifts, talents, charisma. It's not built on the latest and the greatest. It's built on his death, his burial, his resurrection. It's the gospel that will change. I couldn't change if I wanted to change, but he died for me. I am buried with him in baptism, calling on his saving name, and I'm able to rise in the newness of the spirit to live a brand new life. Can I get a witness to that? Yvette and Sue and Trenton, Elaine, Diana and Dee. Oh, thank God. I would also say that the Christ lifestyle is a landmark. He loves sinners, but he judged sin. He was in all points tempted as we are, the writer of Hebrews says, yet he was without sin. And that same Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. He meant more than put your hand in the hand of the man, steal the waters. I dated myself there. He, he, he meant become like Jesus in all you do, all you think and how you behave to be like Jesus. That's an old apostolic landmark. Then to care for people like Jesus cared. The Bible says he had compassions on the multitude. And you find him weeping over a rebellious city of Jerusalem to pray like he did, to fast like he did, to worship like he did, to sacrifice as he did, to be willing to go the second mile, to turn the other cheek and to say, I want to be like Jesus in everything that I do. That's the Christ lifestyle. It was in Charles Sheldon's book that became a beloved book of the holiness and early, early Pentecostal movement in his steps. He asked the question that's been mocked by a present unholy and unapostolic world, that question, what would Jesus do? But that's the way our forefathers lived. Would Jesus be pleased with how I'm behaving? Would Jesus be pleased with how I'm saying what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, what's going on here, what's going on there? The cross 
doesn't make it through every turnstile of life. A sacrificial life, a Christ-like life, a landmark is not always welcome in a world where everything is changing overnight and what to be accepted today will be changed tomorrow. Our lives, our sacrificial lives, it's convicting. If they don't convict, then we're not living as Jesus lived. When his feet hit the shores of Gadara, a demoniac screams, why are you here? There's just something about the life of Jesus. The little children, alcoholics, lepers, women whose reputation suffered, just felt welcomed in his winsome presence. The awesome apostolic mixture of truth, spirit, holiness, grace, conviction, compassion, it cannot be humanly generated. It is of divine origin. As Jesus came down from above, the Christ lifestyle, a landmark, is going to come down from above. It's a beautiful scripture when Isaac went back to where his dad lived, Abraham, where he dug again the wells of his father, and he got back to those old landmarks. I think that's what we need to do today. In this pandemic season, as Gloria Gaither said, we all need those landmarks, that stakes, those stakes in the ground, those altars that we build, where God meet us, met us. Times are hard, life's difficult, troubles come, doubts come. We need to be able to point back to a time and place and say, God met us there. When we're dismayed, confused, defeated, bewildered by the stuff of life, that we can look back and point to those times where beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know that we met with God. And we can be confident that he walks with us and in us now. Gloria said those words, how true that is. But landmarks are more than revealing where God has blessed us and God has met us. Landmarks are not just for visitation. They are for habitation. Genesis 35, 1, God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Dwell there. Don't just visit there dwell there. Allow the presence of God where that golden staircase came down from heaven. Let it, and it kissed the earth. Let it happen each and every day. Stay in the place where you poured oil on that boulder, that landmark. Stay in the place where God met you. I'm not talking about geography. I'm talking about a hallowed place in your heart, mind, spirit, memory, the secret chambers of your heart where you cherish your identity in God, your purpose, your mission. But today I hear a lonely landmark calling. We've not talked about this landmark. We're tempted to forget about it in a self-absorbed day where we are masked, gloved, and properly sanitized, afraid for our own health. And we forget that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole wide world. Others. Others is a lonely apostolic landmark it's calling to us. It struck me in speaking with the Frizzells yesterday about Gail's husband and Nick's father. We're talking about his radical conversion and the difference the gospel made in his life once he heard and obeyed the gospel. It hit me again. Here's a landmark. We believe the gospel still works for anyone and everyone, that old things can pass away and everything can be made brand new, that people whose lives are torn by life itself, by despair and sin and hurt, anger and pain, that they can see their lives not just reformed, but transformed by the power of the gospel. That's what brother drove Brother Frizzell to Southeast Asia, was he knew that love could drive out hate and that the helper could heal the hurting 
others. That was his goal, others. That's the pulse of Calvary. That's the heartbeat of the Savior. It's a lonely landmark that down through time and centuries has called to people who've walked into the cadence, walked to the cadence of a different drummer. They didn't just do enough to get by. They followed Jesus with unflinching faith and uncompromising lives. They say with Polycarp, all these years I've served him, he's never done me anything but good. How can I deny him now? They say with people like the Freemans and the Bosses and the McLeans and, yes, the Frizzells, we will go where it's least convenient. We will take the light of the gospel to the darkened recesses of this earth because the gospel matters. They say with the Gosses and the Witherspoons and the Haywoods, we'll choose the despised path. We'll cling to the gospel and what he's revealed to us while on the cross, Jesus' mind was on others, a penitent thief, his mother, the ignorant soldiers. For centuries, others, that's been the marching music of the apostolic soldiers. That's the lonely landmark that's calling to us today. Do we live for others? We build buildings not for ourselves, but for others. We march into this world on Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday with a mission and a mandate to tell others about Jesus. The Sunday services are not just for us. They are for others that are to tell others that only Jesus can satisfy their soul. It's a lonely landmark, the landmark of others. Just a pile of stones, you say. Oh, a landmark is so much more than that. If you were to visit the catacombs in Rome, you would discover something. The early martyrs for this faith, they are buried there. But it's also in those catacombs where the early church met and worshiped. They lived their faith where their fathers and mothers had died for their faith. I find that significant. I find that powerful. And I have a question for you. I have a question for everyone on this morning devotion today. Jesus lived this way. He lived his life for others. The apostles lived this way. They lived their lives for others. Our apostolic forefathers built their lives around the old ancient landmark of others. Why not live where others are buried? Why not live on the principle of that old landmark? You see, I hear a reverberating echo of the call of an old landmark, a lonely landmark held dear by previous generations, but for which today's distracted people seem to have no time. It's my late cousin who wrote a song. She asked, oh, Calvary, oh, Calvary. Please, won't you speak to me? Tell me how much I owe. I want to repay. Then an echo rings so clear from the hills of old Judea. Tell the lost. Tell the lost. Tell the lost. I hear the cry of an old ancient landmark. If we would hear that cry and respond, 
we would fall in love again with reaching the lost. If that call would drive us to our knees once again, Hope and Linda and Yolanda, if it would keep us awake late at night, uh, we would see those great conversions once again. We would see a once great nation made great again. We would see a worldwide revival as never before. We would see that great awakening. If we got back to what made the nation great, what made the church great, it's the old landmark of others. It would give birth to a worldwide apostolic awakening. We would discover that landmarks are not stumbling stones. They are the stepping stones to great influence. The foundation is Jesus, laid by the apostles and prophets. I think, folks, it's time to come home. It's time to rebuild our lives where others have given theirs, and that's for the cause of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see, I want to see tremendous conversions once again. I want to see people whose lives were bent and twisted, painful. I want to see lives bound by addiction be delivered. I want to see that happen, and it will happen if we will heed the call of that lonely land Mark. We're coming to a close in this devotion today. Say a prayer. Say a prayer for the so many, many, many needs. I can't list them all. I would offend somebody if I tried. But would you please just take a moment in these final closing moments and leave prayer requests out to the side of people you know need a mighty touch of God. Leave a, leave a victory report, a miracle report outside, out to the side as well, and let us know what God is doing in your lives. We are gathering here each and every morning. Today, day 17 of 21 days of prayer, saying, God, we need to get back to what we once were and fall in love again with the message of Calvary. And that message is and shall always be others. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.